fellow writers, and thanks for joining us again here at Writing in Progress, a podcast where two full-time teachers share stories and lessons along their journey as aspiring authors. Today, we're taking a look at another story element, setting. Setting, the place or backdrop where it all happens. Now, a lot of people disclude setting a little bit or don't think that it's that important, but many books, setting's as important as any character in that book. So we're going to go through a couple tips here that we found uh, could help you with setting. Uh, tip number one for me, make setting part of your story. Do not start out with just setting. Kind of weave it into your story. You do not want to start out with, it was a dark and stormy night. I will tell you, I read The New Yorker every week. And in their profile section, they do a horrible job at this. They start out with the setting almost every single time. It's almost a trope that they do that. It was a stormy time in on Broadway Street in New York. Uh, the sun poked through at exactly 554. And then they start the profile of the person. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> I, almost yeah. want I swear, if I meet someone from the New Yorker, that's the first thing I'm going to say to them. <laughs> Yeah. And going off your point, when you think of the best settings, they are part of the story. It's not just a backdrop, right? right. Um, can you get away with that? Sure. If your story is really outstanding, can you get away with a kind of blah setting? You can get away with it. But the best stories and really any story can always be enhanced by making the setting stronger and making it, you know, think about what your themes are in your book. And how can you build a setting? You're the writer. You get to create it. How can you build a setting that will enhance those themes? Right. You know, um, think about, you know, what's a place your character would be afraid of? That might be an interesting setting to explore. Um, what's something that could represent um, a major part of your story and kind of foreshadow that in some way? Um, these are the creative decisions you can make when you're designing your setting. You're building the world. And if you can weave it in with your story, it's going to make it really strong and it's going to make your story a lot better than just the dark and stormy night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Justin, what's another tip here for setting? So first one, it's a common thing in writing, but let's just get it out of the way. Write what you know. Um I, I would write about a setting that you can either very easily picture or you've been to. Um, in, a, in a novel I'm working on on the side, I'm not really working on it yet, I've outlined it, but it's, it's whatever my next novel is going to be. A large part of the story is going to take place at a school because I work at a school. So, so I can write about schools really well. Um, and I can write about what makes a school interesting that will add authentic um, moments to the story that someone who isn't a teacher might not be able to write as well. So another tip I would have is, you know, if you have a favorite park that you visited when you were a kid or, or you have a favorite city that you just love vacationing at, those are all good starting points to try and write a setting. So write what you know. I have a lot of the same thing. I have don't guess on things. You need to go there, really learn it, or at least think through everything and research everything. Okay. Think about climate. Think about the seasons. Think about passage of time. Think about the local population. Think about ancestral influences. The first time I ever went to West Virginia, one of these true river towns, uh, 
was visiting my soon-to-be in-laws with my wife. Mm-hmm. Now, if I tried to write this without going there first, I would have missed a lot of things. Right. I noticed things. Uh, here in this part of Ohio where we live, it's very flat. We don't have flash floods like they do. I noticed a lot of their houses, the first floor of their house was a garage. And I thought, that's weird. And I said something to my uh, girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, and she said, that's because it's all going to flood. Hmm. I thought, oh, I, I never would have thought of that about that. Uh, you may say, hey, you know what? I want to write about this locale. I can't go there. Is it still possible to write a great book without going there? Uh, I would hold up Laura Hildebrand, who wrote Sea Biscuit and Unbroken. They've sold over 13 million copies. She doesn't go to any of these places. Hmm. She actually has a uh, debilitating physical condition where she doesn't leave her house. She gets uh, sick. She gets tinnitus. She gets nauseous. She does everything through research. She calls people up. She researches and researches and researches until she feels like she was there. And actually, uh, what she would do to research Seabiscuit is she would go on to eBay and buy old newspapers from when Seabiscuit was running and read all the articles of everything Wow! with those newspapers. So she really felt like she was in that time period. What are the ads? What's everything feel like? She was doing this. And that's how she got to her second book, Unbroken, is she would be reading about Seabiscuit and she'd read about this guy that was captured by the Japanese on the next page. And she thought, oh, that's an interesting story. And much like you, Justin, then she started laying out her next book from that book. But uh, she did all that research. She's never been any of those places. And if you've read those books, they're outstanding. You feel like you're there. So you can do it through research. Yeah. You just had to be really good at researching. Yes. Um, And what I've found with authors, there's some authors who love to research. There's some authors who hate. (laughs) Yeah. I'm probably more in the second group. Um, I, I would much rather um, go somewhere and experience it and write on it than do all the research. But that's not to say that that's the right way to do it. That's just my personal preference. And sometimes when you're talking about, uh, certain t- period, time periods, you can't go back in time. That's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. You're going to have to research it to get that right. Yeah. There was a, actually there used to be a chapter in my novel, which I've removed um, where they would go back in time in this dream. And that was one of the few times I had to do research. And I researched all this stuff about what life was like in the 1930s in New York. And uh, it was a lot of work and I, it sounded a lot cooler before I did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, the act of research. I was like, oh, I'm going to do all this research. It's going to be great. And then when I was actually doing the research, I was like, oh, I didn't, this is a lot of work. It's <laughs> not as much fun as I thought. <laughs> yeah. I think another example of good setting um, is actually something John and I are both actively watching this right now. The Wire, um, yeah. very famous TV show. But Baltimore becomes almost a character. Like it is so such a powerful part of that story. Yes. And the writer of the show. And he actually wrote a book first that the show is based off of, but David Simon, he was a journalist for the Baltimore sun, I believe. Um, And he, he wrote the criminal beat for the newspaper. Um, And that's how he experienced what later became the wire. So that's another example of um, where he was, you know, it it might've been more cool to write us a cop show in Chicago or New York or, Los Angeles, but he wrote it in Baltimore because it's what he knew. 
And I think that really showed up big time in the final result. And I have one of the same things. Uh, setting can really relate to theme. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies, which is based on a Stephen King short story, is called Shawshank Redemption. And here you see this theme of freedom. There's a bird. There's music. There's all the guys having one drink one time. They signify freedom that they don't want to lose the mm-hmm. hope of freedom someday. And it just, it's a theme that goes through there. And that setting of being in a prison is what makes that whole theme work. Uh, you can often use climate to help your theme. The climate can really affect uh, uh, things as a setting. Uh, tropical can be renewal. How Stella got her groove back or eat, pray, love. Harsh climate can be a theme and it can kind of push things down a little bit. You might want to think of rare air or into the wild about a young man going out into the Alaskan wilderness. Uh, That into the wild book was so impactful for so many people that the bus he was living in when he passed away, so many people in real life have tried to go visit that, that they Alaska recently sent helicopters in and took the bus out. Because people were uh, so tied to that setting. They wanted Mm. to go there. They wanted to be a part of that. And uh, so setting can relate to theme and it can be so strong. It can almost be a character in your story. Another key tip I have is give your characters props in your settings. Means don't just put them in the setting. Have them do things, touch things, and relate to things in that setting. Uh, There's a famous story. If you were writing a story and you had Picasso in it and you'd actually done your research, you would learn that when Picasso went out to dinner, he didn't take any money. Picasso would take a pen. And what he would do is he would go out to dinner and have all these drinks. And while he was talking to people, and you could have him doing this in your book, he would be sketching on a napkin there. And then the bill would come and he would hand the waiter, the bill and say, take this hand the waiter, the napkin. And he would say, take this to your manager. Tell him he has a real Picasso on his hands. And then he would walk out and they would accept this as payment. He's an old man and he's, uh, he's famous and he would pay just drawing on a napkin. (laughs) That's the way to live. I think John. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have a very similar one. I have mixed description in, let it play off the action. Um, So I think a mistake a lot of amateur writers make is they think, okay, I have to explain everything first and then I can tell my story after I've set the scene. This is a very boring way to write. Um, Start the scene and fill in the, fill in the setting as you go. Let it be natural. um, As the characters go, let them interact with the setting and let that describe what's going on. Um, so mixing it in with props or, or whatever um, is the best way. It makes it, you, you avoid the dreaded info dump, right? That everyone's always looking to avoid. No one likes reading the info dump. Um, so I think setting can be an interesting way to reveal things about your characters, um, how they interact with this setting. So, um, one example I have for my book, um, it's talking, he's at his childhood home where his dad lives. He's visiting there and, um, he's got kind of a broken family. His mom left, 
Um, it just was him and his dad. And there's no family pictures in the whole house. There are all these beautiful oil paintings. Um, but my main character, while describing these paintings, talks about how they're all sad. You know, And are they really right. all sad or are they sad because he's interpreting them as sad? Well, that's the setting revealing something about your character, right? Um, Absolutely. So, I think that kind of stuff, that creative way of mixing it in um, is the way you get a really powerful setting that enhances your story. So play around with that. Don't just info dump it all at the beginning and and you're going to have a a much easier, more free-flowing story. Um, Another thing I have is sometimes details themselves can tell a story. Um, so I love revealing things this way. I actually, my most recent Instagram post on my author page was a quick paragraph example of this. Um, again, same house. I didn't intend to use the same example, but it's a different chapter and he wakes up and he's staring at his childhood ceiling and there's all these sticky tack marks from where he used to have these glow in the dark stars. And it's just a very little detail, right? It's sticky tack on a ceiling but it tells, he, he kind of riffs off that, and um, that little detail of the setting, he tells a whole story about his childhood, right? So I think um, finding ways to just pick one little detail, two little details, and let them have kind of a life of their own, and write about it. Let it breathe. And a lot of times that can do more for your setting than being meticulously detailed in outlining every single thing. Just... Pick one or two details, let them tell a story. And I think sometimes that example you just gave, it's very relatable. So yes. pick a detail that's relatable. We yes. all, as soon as you say glow in the dark stars, we all know what that means. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think every person got those at one point, put them on their ceiling, let them uh, soak up the sunlight of the day, turned off the lights and said, oh my goodness, look at this. Uh, so if you can find that one thing that's very relatable uh, in your setting, I think that can really pull a reader in. Yeah. And I would say, you know, always have a notebook on you at all times. And if you're visiting a friend and you see they have the same, I don't know, clock that you had or telephone that you had when you were a kid or something, and it just rings that bell of like, oh, that's cool. How many other people have this? Jot that down. Have a running list of things that you could use as relatable setting items. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because... Those things are, are gold when you find them. Those those little things that people can relate to that instantly draws you into the page. And some uh, writers even have whole pages of these. And when they don't use them in one book, they'll come back to them for a different book mm-hmm. because they are really valuable in their setting. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty excited to write um, about a school because anyone who's been in multiple schools knows that there's certain little details that every school has <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, whether it's, you know, the pencil sharpener on the wall or, or whatever, uh, those there's, there's posters that are posted in like 40% of classrooms across the U S right, <laughs> you know, right. whether it's the, the Eagle flying or, or whatever, there's all sorts of things like that. Um, so finding a setting that, you know, everyone's been to school, everyone's been to the doctor's office, everyone's been, um, you know, pick something like that on a plane. I guess not everyone's been on a plane, but a lot of people have been in an airport. You could probably write a pretty interesting chapter in an airport terminal. Um, you know, there's there's lots of things like that. And think about your audience and what are they going to relate to. Uh, in my own classroom, I got a collector's item, a Michael Jordan Reed 
poster. Had it laminated. It's from one of Michael Jordan's first years with the Chicago Bulls. And of course, he's sitting on this big pile of books, you know. And it's a very famous poster to me. And the students come in and they don't ever say anything. But on parent teacher night, every guy that's around my (laughs) age walks in, looks at that poster, and gives me a high five and says, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they all know that poster. Yeah. It was in their classroom when they were in seventh and eighth grade. So uh, find something in that setting that your audience is going to really relate to. Yeah. My last little tip here. um, I got this tip actually a year or two ago, which seemed obvious, but I never really thought about it before. And now it's something that's just kind of on my list of things to check for. Um, You, the reader should be able to identify with, supposedly all five senses. I think that's probably unrealistic because most of the time we don't say, oh, I tasted this, you know, Um, even smell. Smell can come into play every once in a while um, and it can be powerful if you use it right. But um, really you should constantly be thinking, what is the character seeing? What are they hearing? What are they feeling? Um, And then mix that in. Don't write all those things in one paragraph. All right, but over the course of the scene, mixed in, you should be able to say, what are the characters seeing? What are they hearing? What are they feeling? If if you can't say those things, if you don't know, you've, you've probably, as the author, um, had a little bit of white room syndrome. So you never want, um, you know, your reader to just be thinking, oh, we're in a white room. Right. You didn't give enough description. Right. right? You almost get that hospital room setting. Yeah. That's tough to get past. Yep. So always check your scenes. Make sure three or four senses are accounted for. Um, You don't have to overdo it, but you should at least give them something to go off of. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel? Sometimes smell a musty smell can be, big, a a wet smell, you know, smells metallic, you know, whatever. Um, You can use smell, but sometimes I think if you try to force smell, it can be a little weird. But um, I would say aim for three or four senses in every scene. You should be able to check to make sure they're all there. Taste is a little bit harder. (laughs) I don't, I don't incorporate taste all that often. One of, in my book, Car Seat Conversations, one of the scenes that I found easy to write was I had a daughter that was born preemie, premature. Uh, she was 10 weeks premature. And that's one of the themes of the book. And uh, <laughs> my wife was in the hospital for six weeks. So I went to the hospital every single day for six weeks. My daughter was born and she was in the hospital for another six weeks. For 12 weeks, I went to the hospital every single day. And so I got to know a hospital really well. <laughs> and I could build this whole world setting very easily and there was all these things I never knew about hospitals, like what type of food do you order at the cafeteria? Not only did I know the food, I knew the guy that made it. And I, uh, <laughs> hey, why is there a smoky smell in the front of the hospital? Because they have these no smoking signs and right past those, all these people are smoking. Yeah. Uh, there's all these different things that help me build this setting very easily because I had lived it. And when you go through something in your life that's very tough, you grab on to smells you grab onto sites, you grab onto these things, and they can come back to you very, very strongly when you need them to. So keep yeah. that in mind when you're trying to trying to uh, build the setting for your story or book. Yeah, and steal steal from your experiences. <laughs> Don't yeah. be afraid to write about 
the time you spent 12 weeks in a hospital or, you know, whatever, if you were on a cruise ship one time, you know, that, and you really have vivid memories of being on a cruise ship, you know, whatever. Um, don't be afraid to write from your experiences because a lot of times that ends up being really authentic and people can connect with that pretty well. I think about uh, when the uh, famous author wrote Kitchen Confidential and then went on to his TV show, Anthony Bourdain, and went on to do the TV show and things. He was just a guy working in a restaurant. Now, who hasn't been in a restaurant? That's a pretty simple setting. But he showed us behind the scenes and got a huge book deal and a TV show uh, very quickly. It was all based on setting. It was all based on setting. Let me show you behind the scenes of a restaurant, a place you've been a thousand times. Let me put a little twist on it. And this will be one of the most interesting things you've ever read. So setting can be so strong that it's a character in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny that both of us had this eighth on our list, but even as the eighth spot, it can do so much for your story if you do it right. Um, So take some time, plan it out. um, And I think this is one of those things that when you go back and revise, you can really strengthen your setting. One line here, one line there. Um, can go a long way um, to making your your setting stand out and connect even better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode helpful, please consider subscribing to Writing in Progress on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Liking, rating, or commenting will help us grow this podcast to its full potential. Plus, we're genuinely excited to hear from you and engage with our listeners. Once again, I'm John Woolley, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Car Seat Conversations or on the web at johnwoolleyauthor.com. And I'm Justin Krupps. The best way to keep up with my writing is on Instagram, where my handle is at J underscore M underscore Krupps, or YouTube as Justin Krupps. Until next time, work the process. Process the work. Keep writing. You got this.